God bless you, and on behalf of World Harvest Ministries, I'd like to welcome you, and thank you so much for tuning in. In today's message, Brother Marty takes us through Psalms chapter 1 and 2, and shows us prophecy hidden in the Psalms. Now, we hope this word awakens you and deepens your understanding in God's word. And as the Bible says, he who has an ear, let him hear to what the Spirit of God is saying. Now, let's tune in to today's message. Psalm. Are you all there? I'm going to read from the first psalm and the first verse, and then I will read our passage for the second psalm. But let us begin with the first psalm, and you'll see as we get into this message why that is, uh, if the Lord will allow it. Let's begin with the first verse of the first psalm. King David is writing by the Spirit of God, and he says, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. Let's keep reading. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law does he meditate. Day and night. He shall be like a tree that is planted by the rivers of water. That bringeth forth his fruit. In his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he does shall not prosper, shall prosper, excuse me. Verse 4, the ungodly are not so, but they are like the chaff which the wind driveth away. Therefore, the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly, make no mistake about it, it shall perish. Psalm 2, verse 1. Why do the heathen rage? And the people imagine a vain thing. The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, let us break their bands asunder and cast away their cords from us. And I'd like to minister for a few moments tonight, if the Lord will allow, on taken from the very first sentence of Psalm 2, verse 1, why do the heathen rage? Why do the heathen rage? Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your presence, the joy that we felt in the praise and the worship, the, the manifestation of your gifts in the house tonight. The great word that I've heard has been going forward in these meetings, the gathering of your people from the four corners of the land where you have brought them. Father, I stand humbled before thee tonight in the presence of your people, purchased and redeemed unto yourself by the precious blood of the Lamb. 
And I ask of thee, O Father, that you would strengthen me. I consider myself nothing, for I am nothing, and I can do nothing except I abide in thee. Father, we ask now that the Comforter would come, that he would lift us between time and space, the heavens and the earth, and reveal unto us glorious things out of thy word, out of thy law. And above all, dear God, that we would magnify the Lord Jesus Christ and that him and him alone would be glorified. We thank you, Father, that the devil, try as he might, is absolutely 100% unequivocally, unadulteratedly defeated by the power of Almighty God and the blood of the Lamb. We thank you for Calvary, and we thank you for the empty tomb, and we thank you for the soon coming of our King. We worship you, we praise you, we thank you for your holy angels which take residence round about this place now. And we thank you that nothing in any way can hinder this word from going forth by your mercy, grace, and peace. We thank you, Father, in Jesus' name, and all God's people said, amen, amen and amen. <clears throat> the rabbis tell us that Psalm 1 and Psalm 2 really should be one psalm. Because as you read it and study it, you will see that the flow of it actually is one psalm. It was at the discretion of the translators that this particular psalm was broken up into two. And in a way, it is the wisdom of the Holy Spirit that it is so. Now, the Lord Jesus Christ appeared to two men after his resurrection, and they were walking on the road to Emmaus. And Jesus came alongside them and, and pretended not to have any clue as to what had just happened in Jerusalem, that he had been crucified and risen from the dead. And the two men asked him and said, uh, where have you been? Haven't you heard what's been going on here in Jerusalem? And, and, and uh, he says, well, no, what happened? And they begin to tell him. And then the story tells us that as he went with them, he began to speak to them from out of the law of Moses, and from out of the law of the prophets, and from out of the Psalms. You can find that, I believe it's in Luke 24. Do you mind if we go through the scripture a little bit? Luke 24, take a look. You'll see where we're headed tonight. It's still early. Hallelujah. Praise you, Jesus. Luke 24, I want to show you what Jesus said to them, so that you know I'm not lying to you. Amen. Understand this, that when they invited him to come home with them, and he comes into the house, and he sits down, and they still could not recognize who he was. In one of the other gospel accounts, it says that when he broke bread, uh, their eyes were open, and they could see and recognize that it was him. Now, listen to what he tells when he appears to the disciples here in verse 42, chapter 24. Are you there? Oh, man. Wish we had a week. Look at verse 37. Uh, but they were terrified and affrightened. They suppose that they had seen a spirit. He appears unto the disciples in this room. And, and it says that he said to them, why are you troubled? 
and why do thoughts arise in your hearts? Listen to what he says to them. Behold my hands and my feet. There's a lot of things going on around the world today and, and, in, and in the church itself, there's a lot of ridiculous things being preached and taught. But I take specific note here how the Holy Spirit had Luke pin this because Jesus chose to reveal himself to them. He didn't do some kind of major miracle, so to speak, in front of them. He, he didn't levitate or, you know, do a magic trick. He said, look at my hands and look at my feet. See, nothing has changed in how we come to truly know the Lord. He didn't say, behold my glory, and he didn't, like, allow his light to fill the room. He said, I want you to look at something. This will take away the thoughts that arise in your heart, and it will remove the trouble that plagues your mind. If you know me in this way, look at my hands, look at my feet, for they still have the holes in them that were pierced when I hung on Calvary's cross. I want you to understand that the thing that will drive away the fear of your heart and the, com and the confusion of your mind is when you focus on Jesus who hung on the cross. But more than hanging on the cross, he could have taken them in a vision and said, check that out, that's me, don't it look like me? No, no, no. He said, look, I've paid the price. I'm standing before you, but I'm no longer hanging on that cross. But so that you know it's me and not some false Jesus, only I could pay the price to take away the sins of, oh, come on, somebody, to take away. Look at my hands and look at my feet. Hallelujah. See, we don't serve, <laughs> I'm not trying to be Mr. Evangelist here, but we don't serve a dead Jesus. We serve a resurrected Savior on the third day. Uh, you know, I heard Brother Ravenhill say one time, he says, you know why the angel rolled away the stone? And the, the brother said, why is that? He said, not so Jesus could get out, but so that we could go on in and inspect and see that he is no longer there. For he's alive. He's alive. Boy, you sure are dead tonight. <laughs> Look at my hands and my feet. We haven't even got to the subject yet. So I just wanted to show you what he said to them. And it says, behold, uh, he ate before them in verse 43. And then verse 44 says, and then he said to them, these are the words which I had spoken to you while I was yet with you, that all things must be fulfilled, which were written in the law of Moses, in the prophets, and in the Psalms concerning me. Very few people realize that the Psalms themselves are prophecy. Let's keep looking what else he says. So then he opened their understanding that they might understand the scriptures. The opening of our understanding comes as we find Christ 
in the entirety of the Word of God. You cannot take selected subject matter and glorify that. If it's absent and devoid from Jesus, all you have is head knowledge. And there's a lot of preachers who can preach circles around me, and they're really good at the Greek and the Hebrew and all that kind of stuff. But, but they know subject, but they don't know God. They know concept, but they don't know him. Now, he opened the scriptures that they might understand, and that's what we're praying he'll do tonight. And I wanted to show you that the Psalms themselves are prophecy, because that's what we're about to focus on right now. Right, go back to Psalm, please, and we'll get started. Amen? Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. King David was extraordinary in, in that he was moved by the Spirit of God when he penned the words. He had the ability to write about current situations when he would compose his music. But so deep was he in the presence and spirit and anointing of God that when he would write, he was able to be elevated by God because of the kind of heart, spirit, and mind that he had, consecration and sanctification that he possessed unto his God, that when he would write, God would literally lift him into the realm of the spirit so that what he wrote was not only what he was experiencing personally, but he was transcended into the realm of the spirit and uttered things hidden from the foundation of the world concerning Jesus Christ, the beginning, the middle, and the end, and the second coming of the Lord. So when you read Psalm 1 and 2, in essence, you're reading a miniature declaration of the whole Bible. He starts out saying, blessed is the man who walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly. He wants us to understand that when we were born or Adam was brought into the world or mankind began to exist and history began to unfold, the word walketh there indicates the noise and the sound of the rhythm of the fallen world. And he says that when we are born, that all of us will first be hit with the rhythm and the sound of the fallen world. And so by the Spirit of God, he declares to us, you don't have to engage in that if you want to be blessed and overabundantly filled with the direction and destiny of God. You must not give in to the counsel of the ungodly that will hit you from the moment that you leave your mother's womb. nor stands in the way of sinners. You'll notice you walk, stand, and sit. And this will be the end of all men who reject God. You start out on the walking journey of life. But if you do not allow the Spirit of God to move you in a direction that points you to the instruction manual for your life and for the greater understanding of what it is that it means to be a conscient, 
conscious, sentient, spiritual being created in the image of God. Am I in the wrong place? He says, all of us. I believe that's why when we're born, the first, what does a baby do? And if he don't, what does the world do? Slaps him upside the head. It's as if God is saying, welcome to the fallen world. Because all you will have is pain in this world. And so we cry. And we're hit with the spirit of demonic forces, no matter what time in history you've been born, the flow of the fallen world is like a hum. It's already moving. You come into the stream of darkness, and David tells us it doesn't have to stay that way. The blessed man is the one who allows the spirit to take him to the law and the revelation of God. Now, he doesn't say blessed is the man because he, he can avoid the counsel of the ungodly. He can avoid the way of the sinner. He doesn't even have to know that there is a seat of the scornful. He doesn't say that. He starts out declaring the very first psalm, which Jesus tells us is prophetic. Every man who comes into the world is hit in the face by the counsel of the ungodly. And who is the ungodly? It is Satan himself. He says every man since the fall of Adam will be hit by it. It's unavoidable. But what most people don't understand is that the flow of these things and wherever we have found ourselves in history, the stream of the world, it is coming to an end. It has a finality to it. It has a conclusion to it. And he says... The journey of your life will consist first and foremost of being hit with the spirit of the world. Now he says, the blessed man is the man who recognizes this and rejects it. The spirit of God begins to reach out for us the moment that we're born, the moment that we're conceived Things have been set in motion and working from the left to the right, from the north, south, east, and west. The, the, the things in the course of our life, the way things flow, all of it is designed by the Spirit of God to bring us to that impacting moment in our life when we realize there is a God and He's calling me. He's calling you. It is not by accident. It is not by, uh, by happenstance. You are not some, some uh, protoplasm that crawled up out of some primordial soup, but you are created in the image of Almighty God, and he's made a way for you and me. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. 
The ungodly spews his wickedness, spews his darkness, fishes for you with the multitude of his bait trying to hook you and reel you in to his kingdom and set you on a life of depression, of addiction, of brokenness, of failed marriages, failed relationships, lost children, a life of hell. But David says, blessed is the man who had on that glorious moment of time in his life the Spirit of God illuminate his path when suddenly through the fog and, and the dense darkness of this world, a light beckoned him and he began to follow it, not even knowing where he was going, but knowing that the yearning of his heart, that deep was calling unto deep, and he finds his delight in the law of the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory. Thank God for his grace. Jesus lights the way for all mankind. I am the light of the world, he said. The light shined where? In the darkness. The darkness comprehended it not. He came unto his own, but his own received him not. But to all who receive him gives he the power to become the sons and daughters of the Most High God. Hallelujah. If you're not careful, you'll be carried along with the spirit of the age. Some of you here tonight, those of you listening around the world by the internet, some of you are being led in this path of darkness. And now you find yourself standing in the way of the sinner. Jesus said, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. There is a way that seemeth right unto man, but the end thereof is destruction, darkness, isolation, loneliness, and complete separation from God. Broad is the way that leadeth to destruction, but narrow is the way that leadeth to life, and few there be that find it. Standing in the life of a sinner. This is the struggle of all mankind. Trying to get from the declaration of blessing to navigating yourself and your life and your family and your loved ones through the debauchery and demonic power of the darkness of the ungodly. Past the way that the sinner tells you to live but if you stay there, you'll find yourself ultimately at the conclusion of your life, sitting. You're no longer moving. You're no longer deciding. You have been enveloped by the darkness of the ungodly and the way of the sinner. And now the God that you have heard since you were a child, now you scorn him. Now you mock him. Now you shake your fist at him. Now you question his goodness. Now you question his mercy. Now you question his saving power. But the blessed man, his delight is in the law of the Lord. Now understand, David is speaking prophetically. 
He's speaking in times. He's talking about a generation that will have within it the director of all things, the ungodly one himself, Satan. His, his minions and his children live in the way that they call the sinners. And those who no longer have the ability to be redeemed, he takes from the way of sinners and now sits them like demonic, demonic princes driven by forces to entice others and mock God. Oh, I, I could never happen to me, Brother Mark. I'd never do that. Oh, you better be careful. You don't know what you're capable of. That's why this man, the blessed man, he finds his joy. He finds his delight. He finds his, 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 his completeness. He finds the abundance of his peace in the law of the Lord. It's his delight. Yeah, he saw the way of the ungodly. He looked at the way of the sinner. He's heard the voices of the naysayer. And all they sounded like to him was, was like sounding brass and loud chaotic noise. But when he found his God, God. He exchanged all that for the greatest peace, the greatest joy, the greatest deliverance, the greatest fulfillment that he's ever known. His delight, his everything, his all-consuming passion. What is David telling us? Unless you have a delight like that, unless your passion is all consumed in the word of almighty God, you will not be able to stand against the ungodly. You cannot forever resist the sinner. And you will find yourself sitting in the seat of the scornful. For he prophesies of our time, of our day, of our age. What is your delight? He gives us the key. He shows us the key. How do we resist, Brother Marty? We're inundated, whether it's on our stupid iPhones or, or by way of Google, which I can find anything I want, or look and research whatever I want. I'm inundated with all these images and thoughts and, and voices trying to steal me away, trying to reach for me, trying to take me. Oh, if people knew, I would never admit it. But the truth is, is that I feel a little bit afraid because I feel that pull and I don't understand it. I'm afraid of myself. David gave you the key. His delight. Somewhere along the line, you left your delight. Somewhere along the line, you left your first love. This is why you wrestle with what you wrestle with. This is why those bestial passions rise within you now. This is why addictions you thought you were free from, suddenly they're grasping at your heels again. This is why your peace has gone from your mind. This is why your infirmity has returned. Because somewhere along the line, you lost your delight, your all-consuming passion for the word of Almighty God. He gives you the key. So intense will be the flow of wickedness as it is now. The delight, the all-consuming passion must be night and day. Oh, see, <laughs> did you hear that? His delight 
You think confessing a few scriptures over your little situation is going to bring you victory and you live like the devil half the time in secret and act like this and the other time? You think it's going to bring you victory? Night and day. This is the blessed man. This is the blessed woman. Oh, yeah, you're a little strange. Yeah, they don't like hanging out with you. All, you ever, all she ever wants to talk about is Jesus. Your family, when they see you coming, they run. They hide their, their, their 40s and, and get rid of their Jack Daniels. They put their weed in their sock and they run out the doors. I've got to go to Kmart. They're afraid of you. They think you're crazy. But when all hell begins to break loose on this world, it's not going to be their friends they come calling and crying to. It's going to be the man and the woman of God who has long ago made up their mind and said, Blessed be the name of the Lord. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Hallelujah. His delight is in the law of the Lord. And in that law, this isn't a surface religion. We get so good at, at, at crossing our T's and dotting our I's religiously. We got the lingo down. We know when to raise the hand. <laughs> we know where to hide the 20 underneath the billfold so it looks like I'm giving everything and it's only 10. I'm sorry, it was 20. We're good at it. But he says his delight is in the word of God. Immersed in him. Jesus said, if my words abide in you and you abide in me, you may ask what you will and it shall be done for you. Well, he never answers my prayers. Well, you're not abiding in him. I hate to break it to you. Yeah, but I confessed Brother Copeland's 100 scriptures on how to be prosperous, and it didn't work. His delight is in. In. Honey, what's coming is so beautiful, so wonderful, so glorious, so grand, so magnificent, so opulent, so rich. So full of wisdom, so full of glory, so full of architectural splendor, so full of life beyond anything we've ever known. And you think he's going to just give that over to some mealy mouth, half in, half out, lukewarm kind of believer? Are you kidding me? His delight is in the law of the Lord and in his law does he think about it. He eats it. He sleeps it. He, he wakes up with him on his mind. His spirit sings to him all the day long. His delight is in the law of the Lord. That's all he can think about. My God, see that begins to happen to you when you pursue him. Even when the devil comes and tries to tempt you, if you're pursuing him, you might bend a little, but you won't break. Hallelujah. Why? Because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Hallelujah. His delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law does he meditate. See the progression? First comes 
the all-consuming falling in love with God's word. Well, God's word is not ink on a page. God's word is Jesus Christ. He is the word of God. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. He is the word. When we discover him, we delight in him. That's what David was saying by the Spirit. Yes, every man begins with this ungodly one humming him toward the wickedness and darkness of all fallen creation. And then the sinners that try to entice you and the scorners who try to mock your God. But this one has found that delight in God and, and, and the Spirit brings him to it. And, and, and he falls in love with Jesus And then he goes from his delight or his love is in the word or the word of God or Jesus himself. He is the word. His delight is in the word of God. Then he carries over into meditation. And in that word does he meditate. It's a progression. See, getting saved is not enough. Being saved is not enough to keep you. I hate to mess up your theology. Remember Demas? Paul writes about Demas. He traveled with Paul, prophesied with Paul, helped build churches with Paul. But the, but the spirit of the age got a hold of Demas and took him away. And Paul would write, forever his resume throughout the corridors of eternal history will be Demas has forsaken me, having loved this present world. It's not enough just to get saved and rejoice in that. We must allow the Spirit to carry us further into the place where it begins to consume my mind. I can't think of anything else. I don't want to talk about anything else. I don't really care about the latest baseball score. I don't know what your making plans were, but, but there's something that's got a hold of me. All I can think about is Him. All I want to think about is Him. All I want to know is Him. All I want to talk about is Him. All I want to see, oh, that's extreme. Yeah, so was Calvary. So was Calvary. So was the cross. I'm all up in that word, he said. I meditate on it. Night and day. Normally we want to say day and night. See, we like to start out in the blessing. But until you know the night season and let God walk you through it, you will never be able to stand and abide in that close relationship with him when the blessings come. Night, then comes day. And he was saying, a night is coming upon the world first. Then comes the morning. The night has begun. We're well into that night. What's coming is coming suddenly. He says, you're going to have to bypass these, these huge, don't, let me tell you something. These are massive, demonic roadblocks between you and the law of the Lord. His delight. It doesn't happen till verse 2. He says there are huge obstacles. It's not easy. 
We've been preaching an easy, feel-good gospel on TV all over the world. They'll listen to some message that makes absolutely no sense. And then they'll say, and you who are out there who want to make Jesus your Lord and your Savior, just say these words and poof, you're saved. Uh Uh-uh, honey, that's not how it works. It said, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Ah, see, you don't like that, do you? Uh Uh-huh. Repentance. It is the goodness of God that leads us to what? Repentance. It is the grace of God that breaks the hold of the enemy over our lives and allows us for that momentary celestial revelation to see him and make the decision to accept him and leave my old life behind. Then begins the process of finding that meditative part, that that complete transformation. Be ye renewed, he said, be ye transformed, he said, by the renewing of your mind. And present your bodies a living sacrifice. Ah, then if that don't convict everybody in the house, I don't know what will. It starts with spirit. We are transformed as we meditate. Now we're ready, he says, to offer my body. But not before then. And this is where so many people fail. Because we we construct a whole list of of constraints around our flesh. And then when we fail, we we, we don't understand what the heck is going on with me. I love him. I do the blah, 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 blah. But you haven't put into practice the things that David is telling us will be key components to becoming a fully grown, matured bride of Christ. We focus on the exterior. But you'll never be able to tame it. Until, he says, you're transformed by the renewing of your mind. Not my mind. Not Pastor Stan, Sister Raquel. Your mind. It must be renewed. See, we don't like to, we think, I'm saved, everything's good. No, 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 it's just the beginning. The mind, as Jesus, remember what Jesus said, why do these thoughts arise in your heart? Look at my hands, look at my feet. See me as the one who paid the price for you on Calvary, but I'm alive again to make sure that if you even take one step toward me, I will dispatch every holy angel from my host that will stand guard round about my child as she or he continues to take up their cross daily and follow me. Delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law does he meditate day and night. The result is this. He shall be like a tree that's planted, or the word literally is replanted. And what that literally means is that as the night falls upon this earth, he is going to supernaturally take his children and remove them from the adversity of the enemy for a time. And he's going to take you, if these things are in order and flowing in your life as a reality, he will plant you in a different realm. Understand the grace of God. 
In order to plant a tree, preparation must be made first. Digging, removing, clearing the area. All that is taking place while the man is over here getting beyond the, dis the directions of the enemy, walking past the way of the sinner. While this is happening, and he listens not to the mockers of this world, the Holy Ghost has his spirit fire beings preparing a place for you so that when you finally overcome, he will take you and put you over here by the abundance of his eternal water. I'm going through hell, Brother Mark. He's digging a hole for you. Oh, hallelujah. He's digging a hole for you. And the enemy can see it. The sinners don't even like you because they know you ain't part of them no more. The mockers mock you anyway. You're fighting against the enemy, and you're standing because by the grace of God, you've gone beyond your initial salvation, and now you're immersed in Jesus, and all you can think about, good times or bad times, it don't matter because like Paul, you will begin to say, I, I reckon that this present suffering is nothing compared to the glory which shall be revealed in us. And while, while you're engaging in battle, this is what the devil doesn't want us to know. And this is why I thank God for the prophet King David. Because he says, when the night is upon the earth, the daytime is coming. When all hell is breaking loose and you're fighting through the obstacles of this demonic age, know this, that the greater the pain, the greater the struggle, the more oppressive the enemy may come against you. Hold on, because a hole is being dug for you right near the river of heaven's waters. You don't hear what I'm telling you. Hold on. Because he's gonna, you're going to wake up one day and suddenly that addiction's going to be gone. Hallelujah. He's a tree planted. That means that tree had to be removed from its situation and carried over to a place that's already been prepared for it. Oh my God, you don't hear what I'm telling you. Hallelujah. Now it's starting to make sense, Brother Marty. I didn't understand why, uh, having done all to stand, stand therefore with your loins cut about with truth, having on the whole armor of God, the helmet of salvation, your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace, the shield of faith, and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Having done all to stand, stand therefore. I didn't stand, Brother Marty. I didn't make it. Get up. Dust yourself off. If God would not even withhold his own precious son, our redeemer, look to Calvary. Look to the blood of Jesus. Confess your sins, John said. And he's faithful and just to cleanse you of all unrighteousness. He will wash away your stain. He will take away your guilt. He will heal your mind and get back on the road because you're becoming a tree, honey, whose leaf fadeth not. And you will bring forth your fruit. And do somebody ought to praise him in the house at night. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. 
Glory to God. 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 We serve a mighty Savior, a resurrected Lord, a soon-coming King, the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning and the end, the author and the finisher of my faith. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Worship him. Lift your hands and praise him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, worship. Mariah, would you come up here? Oh, Father God, we worship you. We thank you, Lord. We bless you, Father. We worship you, Lord. Worship him. I don't care what your burden is. Let it go. He's here to heal you. He's here to deliver you. He's here. He's forgiven you. Uh, don't think you've got to go through a whole bunch to get back to where you were. Just get up and start right where you are. He's there to meet your need. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Play softly. Hallelujah. 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 I'll have to come back next year and finish the rest of this. A judgment is coming. The ungodly will not be able to stand there. Neither will the lukewarm, compromised believers. Notice this. There's sinners that try to make their way into the congregation of the righteous. They will be found out on that day. Play. They and I and you, everyone's going to know. You can hide it from me. I can hide it from you. But what, what good is that? God sees everything. <laughs> right? Well, you just don't know, man. You just don't know what I, I don't care what you've done. You, you've never sinned like me, brother. I'll tell you that right now. Oh, really? Yeah. Now you're fighting with me over how sinful you are? All right, all right. <laughs> Trust me, I'm preaching under the anointing. I won't lie to you. I know, unfortunately, the depths. And it is why I plead with you by his spirit tonight. I felt that some of you have been really discouraged. Some of you, things have happened. We don't need to list a whole bunch of things. It could be a whole bunch of different things. So don't be looking at your neighbor. It's the renewing of your mind. It's, it's your delight. If you'll just come to him, he'll set you free. This moment, this instant, would you stand to your feet? Once again, we'd like to thank you so much for tuning into today's message. Now, don't forget to subscribe for the latest message. And if you would like more information about our ministry or you would like to give, you can visit us at www.worldharvestministries.net. Thank you so much for your prayers and support. And as we say here at World Harvest Ministries, keep looking up. God bless.